Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, we've got another first-time experience tonight. The one and only Olympic gold medalist in the history of Wesleyan University is joining us here tonight on Chris and Coach. Class of 1978, uh, Kathy Keeler, uh, Olympic gold medalist in, in uh, rowing. And uh, really excited to have Kathy on and talk about her Wesley experience, you know, coming to Wesleyan, uh, you know, right after Wesleyan was, was uh, uh, co-ed and um, the, the evolution of women's sports at Wesleyan. And I know she was a multi, multi, multi-sport athlete had an opportunity to play a lot of different sports as they were, as they were, uh, you know, uh, all taking, taking shape and, and, and uh, uh, coming into uh, fruition at Wesleyan. And so uh, really excited to hear her stories and, and, uh, and her experiences and then how she parlayed that into an Olympic gold medal experience. Yeah, it's really awesome. And if you, if you've never heard her story, it's, it's very fascinating. She talks a lot about title nine. She talks a lot about, you know, how, what sports were like when she first got to college and, you know, really what they're like now and, and everything in between. She also not only won a gold medal as a, as a competitor, but also coached a silver medal uh, in the Olympics in 1996. So she's really had a long career in the sport of rowing. And we're going to catch up with class of 1978, the only gold medalist in the history of Wesleyan University, Kathy Keeler. But before we do that, we've got to catch up with the man behind the man behind the man. That's right. He is the producer of the show, Mike O'Brien. He's going to tell everyone how you can stay connected with Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. You can stay connected with the podcast by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Wes underscore athletics and on Facebook at Wesleyan.athletics. You can also subscribe to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score on Apple Podcasts, and you can contact us directly by emailing athletics at Wesleyan.edu. And as uh, winter turns into spring, Coach, there's all sorts of optimism in the air, and hopefully – you know, when I check in with you in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about maybe the maybe possibility we might be talking about some other sports going on, but we'll save that for the next week's episode. Who knows? Lots of good stuff happening. You can contact me at Chris Grace 82 on Twitter, but for now, it's time to catch up class of 1978 Olympic gold medalist, Kathy Keeler. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Chris and coach. Beyond the Box Score, your only Wesleyan Athletics podcast. As always, joined by the coach, current Wesleyan Athletic Director Mike Whalen, the producer Mike O'Brien, and tonight, Coach, we got a very special guest, the one and only Olympic gold medalist who also went to college at Wesleyan. That's right, class of 1978, Olympic gold medal rower, Kathy Keeler is with us. Kathy, welcome to our podcast. Thanks. It's nice to be here. It is awesome to have you here. So, Kathy, with every one of our guests, what we like to figure out is how did you make your way to Middletown? How did you end up a car? <laughs> Tell us about, how, you know, from when you started looking at colleges to how you ended up in Middletown and how you, how you, how you became a Wesleyan Cardinal. Uh, well, you know, uh, I Title IX passed in 1973, my junior year in high school. 
So I didn't have many athletic opportunities. So there was no recruiting when I was in college, in high school. Uh, I did once see the no athletic card that I filled out when I applied to Wesleyan and Barb Baskin, who was the only female coach that year, wrote, please accept. That was all she said to the admissions department. <laughs> like, but I didn't have, there was not much on it that was very interesting. I hadn't done, I was not a star anything. I was just figuring, figuring out how to play basketball. Just, there was no rowing. I did track and field fairly successfully in high school. I won the county meet in the 100 to 220 in the discus. I had thoughts that I would like to be a pentathlete at some point in my life, but I, my summer after my junior year, uh, my mom said we should look at colleges and I decided I was gonna go to Yale. What did I know anything, but I, that was my thought. So we, were, we made a trip from DC. I went to school in Chevy Chase, Maryland and uh, up to Yale and she happened to talk to like an old friend who said her son had not gotten into his first choice which was Wesleyan and we had never heard of Wesleyan so she said well it's right up the road we should do both <laughs> so I went up to Wesleyan and we went there first it was the first school I ever looked at and I thought College Row was what college was supposed to look like. I was just like, this is awesome. This is exactly what it's supposed to be. And the admissions people were awesome. And the, there was no students. It was summertime. And then we went down to New Haven. We couldn't find admissions. No one was very helpful. It was a zoo. And I said, OK, I'm done. And my mother made me look at other places. But I'm like, no, I want to go to Wesleyan. <laughs> when I came to visit in the fall for my interview, I went over to Fairweather. and to see what sports there were. I mean, like women had only, the first class had just grad, no, the first class had not graduated yet. First class graduated in 74, same year I, and I came in the fall of 74. And so there were six sports for women and I walked up to where the top floor of Fairweather was where uh, the wrestling team practiced, but also where all the coaches offices were. <laughs> and I'm walking up just to see what sports there were because there was no internet. And uh, Pat Callahan and, um, Oh, who was the hockey coach? Help Duke, me out. Duke Schneider. Duke Schneider. We're standing at the top of the steps when I'm walking up the steps with my mom and my sister. And Pat goes, are you a water woman? And I'm like, what is a water woman? Well, so he figured I wasn't a swimmer because I didn't know what that meant because he was also the swim coach. So then he started telling me about rowing. That was the first time I really heard about rowing. I'm like, well, that sounds cool. And that was kind of my introduction. So I applied early and somehow I got in. And when I showed up at Wesleyan, uh, I had taken up field hockey my senior year in high school, just because I was an all-around jock. would play anything. If you could play anything you could play, I would try. And so when I got to Wesleyan, I thought, well, I'll try out, but I have barely played. I won't make the team. But there were only 10 people who tried out and need 11 to have a team. So we made it. <laughs> uh, and we, somebody scrounged around and found two more that people that had cleats somewhere on campus so we had 11 and but the problem was that I wanted to row I figured I'd get cut and then I go row and so Pat arranged that I could row from two to four in a double with another field, field hockey player who was also a rower and then have field hockey practice from four to six and that's what I did all fall I did two sports wow and, but you could do that back then yeah there were no rules yeah, yeah. women really had no rules <laughs> so and uh so I finished the field hockey season. And then what my real love at that point was basketball. And so I made the best. Stacey Vincent was her first year. And we had a 
the class ahead of me was we had a very strong basketball team for that season. You know, there was no NESCAC for women. There was nothing. We had no championships to shoot for. We had nothing. But you know, let's try and win all our games. That's about all you do. And the women's basketball team didn't even, we barely left the state of Connecticut. We went to Williams and Smith. I think that an Amherst went co-ed at some point at that point and had a team one year, I think, while I was playing. And then in the, then I started rowing in the spring and it was fun and we were terrible, <laughs> but it was fun. We didn't know how to pull. We didn't know how to do anything. Everybody, the varsity wasn't all novices, all beginners my freshman year. Cause I don't, I don't quite know what the politics were before that, but everybody had quit. Cause crew was one of the first sports, even before freshman women were admitted to Wesleyan. The crew started in 68 and the visiting women students that they had at that point had rowed. So they, they'd had, crew had been around, but anyway, but, and I quit off and on because we lost so much and I hate losing, but I kept coming back. <laughs> so did, did they have crew at your high school? No, okay, no. I, I, I didn't know, I, I figured- No, but nobody wrote in high school. The only people, right. they, a few prep schools for girls, right. a few prep schools, even the Virginia boys that rode, I don't think girls rode in Virginia at those public schools that had rowing. No, rowing was, there was no, everybody learned to row in college that made the Olympic team with me. Uh, that's not true. One person had rowed in high school in, in Seattle, but she was younger than me, so <laughs> it was later. Things changed a lot in the years. Because when I got to Wesleyan, there were six sports, and when I left, there were 12 for girls, for women. So you were right there. I mean, you were right at the start of the whole thing. And now you, you can look, you can look back and, you know, coach, how many women's sports do we have at Wesleyan now? 15. 15. 15 women's, that's got to make you pretty proud to be and someone. Half of, them, half of them started while I was there. <laughs> but no, but, but in all seriousness, you know, as a proud athlete, that's got to make you pretty proud to see, you know, how, how things have evolved for women. It's awesome. It's, there's a, it's so, it's still amazing. I remember when my daughter was really little, I'm like, I dragged her to all these high school sports because the town we lived in had a really girls, good girls soccer team. And I was just like, I was no girls sports for me to watch ever growing up. <laughs> Never mind college sports. There was none of that. There was no professional sports. You know, there was nothing to shoot for. When I was a little kid dreaming, I was like, I want to be in the Olympics in track and field because that was the only thing that I could see as an option <laughs> right. in what I in my life. And so, and so, even though track and field was, you know, I was in the first track. This is this is how there were no NCAA. I competed in the first track meet that Wesleyan women competed in. Really? Okay. I was I was on the crew, and Swan Elmer. Yeah. They they scheduled a track meet with Brown. Down at home and somehow Pat said okay you can go run I didn't practice I just went to the meet because I had run various things in high school and I ran the quarter in the 220 and threw something <laughs> got the, I got some points and then Pat says that's not going to work you can't miss practice because in crew then they couldn't row because I wasn't there <laughs> right right so then it became it became you know like was it your sophomore year that you just really started just to settle no. in and focus on no Oh, I, I really was I was I did really well I loved ba basketball crew junior year what year was it junior year I had my appendix out in October so I missed the head of the Charles I missed the whole fall season got back in time for basketball and then in the spring I tore my knee the last game of the basketball season so I didn't get to row that spring wow <laughs> 
That's so incredible. then everybody graduated from the basketball team and I did not play basketball and my knee was still pretty unstable. I didn't have surgery, but who knows? I just, anyway, uh, uh, so I only did rolling my senior. That's not true. I played JV squash because I was too bored in the wintertime because there was no herbs. There was no winter training for the crew. So I was like bored. So I went out for JV squash for a while. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so we're talking basketball, field hockey, squash, track and field, rowing. I did all those things. No time, no, <laughs> no, no time for tennis. What was, what was, what was going I on? I never, I never played competitive tennis. <laughs> okay. You needed to have some experience to do that. I think. No, 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 I, no, no. I, you know, Someone I who coaches play, tennis, athletes is what friends. we want. Athletes. We I, want athletes, nothing else. I had friends who were on the first hockey, women's hockey. I remember them even, uh, people playing in figure skates on the first hockey team because they didn't know how to skate in hockey skates. I knew all them. I knew all the people who started the lacrosse team. Soccer team, I think, was just my senior year. I don't know. I didn't really know those people, but it's just every, there were a lot of uh, three or four letter, four start women when I was around. <laughs> so, how, so go ahead, coach. Sorry. I was just going to say, Kathy. So here you are, you're, you're, you're playing all these sports and you're picking up rowing for, from, from, you know, just entering college. W was there a point in your Wesleyan career where you said to yourself, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I, I, I think, I think that, hmm. did you, you know, did you ever have that? No. Uh -huh. You never did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I thought that. I do my, after my junior year, I rode that summer at a club in DC, Potomac Boat Club and went to Canadian Henley. And so I had done, I did a little more rowing outside of Weston and I thought it was fun. And but I thought I was going to go to graduate school or get a job. I was an economics major, get it. You know, I was like, that's what I was planning. And I remember Dick Miller claims uh, spring of senior year. I'm like, should I go to graduate school or should I like try and make the Olympics? Like, but you know, just, just like a random thought because who knows? And he goes, no, you should go make the Olympics because you can always go to graduate school later. And so <laughs> at my senior year, we had spring training down in the uh, DC. And at the end of that, I said, told Pat, I said, wait, that's my last double session ever. <laughs> I was just done with those. And he goes, don't be so sure. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so then this club, this coach had called him and said, you got any all-stars that want to come row at this club in Philadelphia and go to nationals. And so he told me about that. And so I was, I decided to do that. And then we won the dad bales, which was the most exciting thing in my whole Wesleyan athletic career. It was so great. So, uh, which was the small college nationals. And the Eastern sprints didn't happen that year because they got blown off. So we were the only champions in all of America. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> wow. But, you know, we came out of nowhere to win that race. So that was fun. So then I went to Philadelphia and uh, rode at this club. And uh, I kind of, in my mind, I was like, okay, someone's going to tell me I'm not good enough and then I'll go home. <laughs> so I went there, I made that team. I won a senior national championship. I got invited to development camp. And I came home, I went home to Silver to Chevy Chase to figure out what to do with myself. And I thought I'd get a job, you know, like you're supposed to do. <laughs> but I started rowing at Potomac and rode at the various fall head races that fall. And I almost got a job and I go, no, I have to go to Philadelphia and row somewhere where there's real good people. So I, I coached high school basketball that fall, winter. And then I went to Philadelphia and went back to the club I was at. And I kept waiting to get cut. And I, well, that year, what happened that year? I did get cut that year, but I got invited to national selection camp, won a bunch of things. And then I was the last port cut. 
and that was enough impetus to try and make it for 1980 to say you got to go one more year and do that and then we didn't get to go so that was kind of distressing <laughs> yeah so can you talk about that what was that like what was that feeling like you know building was, up building up to something and then all of a sudden poof well it I mean, wasn't similar to what these athletes have been dealing with uh, the last 24 months similar and different right it was a little different because uh Jimmy Carter announced we weren't going in like January. Yeah, had you already qualified for the Olympics? I had not qualified. The selection wasn't until May, but I was in the mix. You were in the mix. I was yeah. in the mix. And uh, we were training in Florida and you're we like, and saw a few people who were older just retired that day. But uh, I hadn't made the team yet. I'm like, I'm just going to try anyway. And, and there was a, Anita de France, who's on the IOC now, was a lawyer who was also in the mix, ended up in my boat for that Olympics. Uh, and she was suing to say Jimmy Carter didn't have the right to do that. So that went, that case went on until July, I think, before the Supreme Court said, no, he's allowed to say that and you can't go. We were suing just to let individual sports choose because that's what they did in England. British, the different federations got to decide if they wanted to go or not. So I don't know. Anyway, so we didn't get to go, but I made the team. So it was awesome. And we got to do a European tour. We went to Switzerland and Germany and Holland. I met my husband-to-be. It was all a good thing. <laughs> and uh, then I came back and I started coaching. I coached the freshman novices at the University of Pennsylvania the next year. So it started because you didn't get paid to be a national team role. You had to make money <laughs> to survive. So I did that and I trained. I was training still. And then all of a sudden in May, I decided... I had been training for three, four, three summers and without a break. And I just couldn't deal with going to camp in the selection process, which is pretty intense. And I said, I just took it off because it was the year after the Olympics and people, people take different years off sometimes. And I, and then I thought maybe I got a job in Boston. I thought, okay, I'm going to start this. And then I watched the head of the Charles and I thought, I'm not done yet. <laughs> so I came out of retirement the day after the head of the Charles and started training and I ended up being in the top boats from then on. <laughs> that's that's got to be the problem, right? Like anywhere, if you're if you're trying to live or work anywhere in the Northeast, you're going to be surrounded by water. I mean, any city <laughs> worth any city worth a darn is going to you're going to see water. And you're going to be tempted, right? I mean, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But Boston and Philly are the two on the East Coast that are the most, have the most. At that point, now there's a training center in New Jersey. So that's where you would be. If, if I was rowing now, I would be at a training center in Jersey all the time and not working but because they get some funding and stuff like that. But you had to have a job. And we had a couple, we had two clubs on the East Coast and Seattle had a club and Long Beach had a club. There's kind of a big training centers at that point. So you trained wherever you were. And then in the summer, they would select who would get to be in the final selection of the year. So take us through, what was the makeup like of the team? You know, you, you get up and then you, you prepare, you, you have the disappointment of 80, but you still have a good experience. And then you decide, okay, I'm going to go for it in 84. So what was the you, you really, you think, you think 84, but really, okay, what am I doing in 1982? You have to, that's, you know. That right, because the, there's, world, there's world championships. There's world championships year. every year. Right. So you, feel like you have a goal every year, you know, and ultimately, yes, 84 was the goal, but you didn't think about that. First, you're, you're just see focusing what, in on 84. You can beat the Russians or the East Germans before that. That was good. Right. So, so. You, so you, you gear up for 82. Yep. And then, and that obviously motivates you to keep going to 84. It does. It does. Okay, 82 okay, so was really good. Well, that's not true. 82, I was the top four in the country. I stroked the four. We won a, just missed a gold medal, silver medal. 
And then I got a job coaching at Smith College because I had to pay the rent between. So I started there in the fall of 82. And being the only coach with 40 women, my training went down the tubes, shall we say. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is get on the erg or do something after you've been on the water in the morning for two hours and you have to go out again another two hours in the afternoon. So I got to camp kind of not in shape. I squeaked onto the team, but just barely that year. And so I had to set it up differently and get assistance. Next, Smith helped me out the next year so I could leave, go away whenever I needed. They gave me, it worked out better. And I again got to be the top port again and stroke the eight. It was really fun. <laughs> so as, as you're preparing for the Olympics in 84, um, what was the makeup of that team like? Of where were the, because you, you talked about how you, you came into sports at Wesleyan where there really were no women's sports, but what was the rowing scene like? What was the rowing scene like nationally in 1984 for women? Well, the, our, my Olympic team, I, I had two from Wisconsin, but different ages. So one was in her thirties and one was 22, 23. Uh, and then three from Washington, one from, and then we had the little schools, me, Wesleyan, FIT, uh, Mount Holyoke, and UCLA, which is, sounds like a big school, but it was not a big school. <laughs> you know, Washington, Wisconsin, and some of the Ivies were kind of the strongest women's rowing at that point. Title IX hadn't moved into the Big Ten or anything yet, so they didn't, none of them had any women's rowing programs. So, and then when you guys actually get to Los Angeles and you know, you're going with this goal of, of winning a gold medal. You talk about in 1982 that you guys just missed, you know, when you took a silver in the worlds, right? In 82, mm -hmm. am I correct? Um, so in 84, you go to the Olympics and, and what's it well, like first, going? First we, first we went to Lucerne. The boat was picked in May and then we got to go, we got to go to Lucerne because at that point it was clear that the Russians and the Eastern Bloc weren't going to come to LA because we didn't go to Moscow. Right. You know, it's a reciprocal trade whenever, when you do things like that. And, uh, but we got to race the East Germans who were the fastest in the world there and we beat them. So we were favored going into LA. So it was kind of, we had um, six weeks of trying to stay on top. And the best other crews that were there was Romania. Who somehow the guy who organized the LA Olympics got paid for Romania to bring their team. They were the only Eastern Bloc country that showed up and they're, they've been very strong in women's rowing and they won all the other gold medals except for the eight. So we were the final event for the women's day and it was, everybody was very excited. Especially because Romania led, if you've ever seen the race, you know, you can see it on YouTube. Uh, they led until the last 200 meters. So, so Kathy, the, the, um, the team that you ended up winning the, the, uh, the gold medal with that group of eight, um, how, like, did you did you compete with them continuously for a full year? Does it no? Like how how does that? I mean, how we do you got, develop that chemistry and? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, it, that's what I say. You know, it is a four year process. You have the the Olympic cycles, and everyone who was in my eight had been part of that process, but we weren't in that particular lineup until June May of 1984. But we wow. went to various. We went to, we went, we had various training camps during the year where different, you know, we all learned how to match and row together and people had expectation. And then there was pair trials and two person boats to kind of 
set up a ladder for where people started. And I won that part. So that was like, I, my pair partner was the really young kid from Wisconsin. And she goes, oh, now we have all the seat race. I know if we can just win one seat race, we're done. Cause he wants us to be the stern pair. You know, like we, we're set. We just gotta not mess it up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, through all the other racing that we had done, we'd like prove that we were the fastest. So we didn't want to, which is fun. It's nice to be in that situation. You, you, you hope you dream of that instead of being the year 1983 one was a really bad year. I met, I don't know if you know what seat racing is, but you line two boats up and you do a piece and then you move one person, you switch two people from one boat to the other, and you do another piece and whichever boat goes fastest relative to the last piece, you win your seat race, she'll say. And I would start at the bottom of the ladder that year and every day we would do a seat race and the next practice, the other per their person I beat would be gone. Like, so that knows you'd all you have to do is lose one race. And you, when they're racing the top people, they hang around and they just keep mixing and matching. But when you're at the bottom, you disappear. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you don't want to disappear. So you're, 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 so you're racing for your seat at that point, basically. Yeah, you're racing, you're racing to make, keep not, to not be, not, be, not leave the training camp. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No you pressure. wrestle off in wrestling, like you lose a match and you disappear, you know, yeah. really, but it's yeah. even subtle than that. You're like, oh, they didn't make it to lunch. We would go up, we were at Dartmouth and we'd go up and like, they didn't even make it to lunch. They're already gone. The coach would have a little, you can go home now. <laughs> wow. I didn't know they had loser leave town matches. Loser leave uh... town at the national, <laughs> at the end, when they get down to the end, it's not quite that bad. But when you first start out and you have a big group, it's loser leave town. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Oh my they don't even goodness. get to say goodbye they're just gone <laughs> oh my goodness that's incredible ladies and gentlemen if you're just joining us you're listening to chris and coach beyond the box score along with the coach mike waitland producer mike o'brien our guest tonight class of 1978 the only olympic gold medalist in the history of wesleyan university kathy keeler is with us and kathy we, we've talked up uh you know we talked about your experience leading up to olympics talk about that moment when you cross the line and you realize mm -hmm. And you realize not only have you held off the, the Romanians, you talked about that race, but gosh, all these years of training, you talk about starting a sport that you never even participated in before you got to college. And now you've got the opportunity in just a few moments after that to, to experience winning a gold medal. That's got to be a pretty. It is, except, you know, it's we've talked the team. We've had a couple of we, we have reunion like every 10 years with the crew. We're still hanging in there. I was starting to have health issues now. Uh, it's more like a deep satisfaction. Like there's so you put so much effort into it and you just have to do it, perform to your best. And we didn't have like the perfect race. So, you know, a part of me was really disappointed because when we went to Switzerland, when we first were selected, we had this perfect race where everything just felt I, though you feel the boat you know like the, i can't quite explain if you've ever rowed but there's a way the boat feels when it's just clicking along like the effort effortlessly even though you're killing yourself and uh i think we were a little you know because it was the olympic finals we were a little frazzled a little bit and it wasn't we but we performed perfectly more than adequately and we sprinted just spectacularly but uh also at the finish line so i'm in the stroke seat if you can imagine a 60-foot boat and you can't turn your head because that upsets the balance of the boat. But you're you when you're racing, your peripheral vision, you're looking for the other crews, right? Like you're spending all your like. And Romania was four lanes over, and I never and I couldn't see any of their boat in my peripheral vision. And like, and when we crossed the line, I said we didn't win. And she goes, No, we did. I'm like, 
I never saw them. How could we have won? But we won by almost a third of a length. I'm like, yes, we won. But it was like, it was sort of like panic, but just a relief to have done what you were supposed to accomplish. I think it wasn't like exuberantly crazy. It was just deep satisfaction on everybody. Like, yes, we could do, we, we accomplished our goal and all the practices are what leads up to it and feel good. And like, it's all part of the process. It's a big, long process. It's not just that last race. So, so when you went into that gold medal race, was there like, do you go into it like saying, you know, like, like, a, like, does your coach give you like a guesstimate time-wise, like kind of what you need to come in at, or is it just go out and make sure our boat crosses first? So we rode 1000 meters because when they first in 76, when they let women into the Olympic program, women's rowing, men's rowing has been on forever. They, women, they didn't think were strong enough to row 2000 meters, which is what the men row. So the women row a thousand, which ultimately mean it's an all out sprint. It's like, it's not a hundred meters, but it's like you're row, rate running a hundred meter dash. You don't have time to do any thinking. We practice. So when we talk about it, we like, we started at 48 strokes a minute, settled to 42, finish at 48 again. Like there's no time to make a mistake physically or mentally, like you just, we just repeat, repeat, repeat the performance and just practice doing it so that you don't even think about it anymore. You just row, row as hard as you can, as high as you can and try and maintain a rhythm to make it, make the boat move as fast as it can. As the Bob Ernst, our coach, it's just rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. We just keep, we did a lot of three minute pieces, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, and to, to piggyback on that, what's it like participating in a sport where every team sport, everyone else matters. But in a sport like that, I mean, everyone else matters. I mean, you have to be link step. I mean, the only thing I could think of is like, you know, like uh, synchronized swimming or like doubles figure skating. Not, you you, you got to imagine you're, you know, like a rowing stroke is a little bit like doing a clean, using all the muscle parts that you would. And you have to imagine nine, eight of you doing that, including jumping off the ground cleans in synchrony for the whole time. And not tipping, <laughs> you know, like there's, it's, it's an amazing unity of purpose that you have to have. And I, the best part about the team was when we got picked, it was everybody in the trust that you have to have that everyone in the boat is just as determined as you are. And when the boat was announced, like no one thought that that person shouldn't be in the boat or this, but you know, like everybody was pretty clear that these were the people that we were going to take across the line. And it was all summer, there was never a doubt what our purpose or mission, and no one, no one was a distraction from what the mission was the whole summer while we were training. So it was great. And and, and la last thing on the Olympics, because again, you know, this is the first ever Olympic gold medalist we've had on Chris and Coach. So we want to we want to milk this. For <laughs> but, no, I coached an Olympic silver medal later. And that is equally <laughs> awesome. Coaching is a different vibe. Coach totally knows different. this. It's totally different. It's nowhere near as fun, but when you get good results, you feel better about it. But during the process, all, all you get is ulcers when you're the oh, coach. It's true. <laughs> I've coached tennis. Coach obviously has coached football and wrestling, and you know, with you with rowing. When you have no control over other people, it is a miserable feeling. But um, so when when you're when you're in America for the Olympics and you win, oh, and that's you, the cool part. That's you what know, I was, opening what ceremonies like? in LA was just fabulous. You know, when you dream, it, it, part of the dream of being on the Olympics is marching in the parade into the stadium and having everybody cheer for you. Because especially rowing, you know, no, you, if you have a hundred people cheering for you, that's a lot. But you walk into the Coliseum and we're the U.S. So we're the last team in 
and the place erupts. It was so cool. It's like being in a football, you know, like being a Big Ten football team or something. So that was the ultimate cool thing to do. Yeah, that's that's got to be that's got to be really awesome. So that was a real rush. Okay, so so you finish your rowing career and then you focus more on your coaching career, which you had already were doing while you were training for the Olympics and while you were rowing. But take us to you know, take us it was '96, right? It was when you when you coached. Uh, was it the 96 Olympics when you coached? Right. So I coached at Smith for a couple more years. I got married. I moved to Boston and I started coaching national team scholars at that point in 87. And then uh, ultimately this woman, these light, they let lightweight women into the Olympics in 96. And I'd been working with one of them who was the fastest lightweight scholar in the country. And somehow we found another scholar that was really fast and, they had, there was a different training set up by that point. So it, it was slightly different and I had a kid. So it was like complicated leaving and coming and going and all that stuff, but it was fun. I, I'm very good, I think, at coaching technically to get boats to come together. And it's just a real challenge to, to get people. I call it, I call it, a, in, I like to paint a pic in my mind. I have a picture of what it should look like, what I want them to look like and how can I tell them to make it fit my picture. And so they, they got pretty close. So it was pretty fun. And, and I know you love to talk a lot about the psychology of, of, of rowing and, and you know, what it takes to, to be a great athlete and what it takes to be a great teammate. You know, so sh share with us a little bit your philosophy on that. Well, you know, I was talking a little bit about, you know, the trust that you have to have in, you know, in, in a, you know, in basketball, I'm watching a lot of NCAA basketball right now because it's almost March Madness. And, uh, it's different when you have like this, all, you know, one guy's good at this and one guy, but you have to, in rowing, you have to just decide, you know, this person's going to be the stroke and, and I'm just going to mimic her. You know what I mean? It's like, like and the person who's not, in, so I'm coaching a two person boat here. The person who's not stroking is the person who gets to say a few things, maybe if she can get to on where somebody is, or we're going to make a move now. Cause by this point we're racing 2000 meters. So there's a little more strategy involved in, whether you make it, try and make a push at the thousand or at the 1100 or at the 1200 or at the, you know, like when you're going to sprint, all those kind of things. Um, but I think we did a lot of mental preparation where you would just visualize the race over and over every day. I mean, think every day. And uh, they, you know, I, as a coach in rowing, because you're not, you can't call a timeout to, to say, okay, now let's do this. It's all done before you launch them, you know? So you're all done. So it's all what you do in practices leading up to that and how you encourage it and how they take on what they want to achieve, you know? And you're just there to say, yes, you can do that. It's my husband, who was a longtime rowing coach, he's like, my, my his philosophy was, you know, you just show them what's possible and then you get out of the way. You got to let them choose to do it but you just keep saying, nope, you can do this faster. No, look what you did on that 500 meters. You can maintain that for the whole race or you can do build on that or those kind of things. I think it's really important, but you have to teach out, you know, coaches are awesome, but you got to, in rowing, especially, you know, it all comes down to what they're going to do when they're sitting at the line, nervous beforehand and how to breathe it out and get ready to just take it home, take it home, go away. So, so your experience as a, as a thousand meter uh, racer and then transitioning to coaching the 2000 meter race. I, I wrote, we rode in the last 1000 meter race. 
after that, everything was like after that Olympics starting that spring, it was all women have rode 2K ever since. And you so know, how- we, we rode 2K at Wesleyan because we rode the same races, distance as the men and the dad bills was 2K. So I had rode 2K. Okay. It's just a different, a slight, it's different physiologically, but the training is slightly different, but not that much different. You just do, you train for a longer piece, but just, you know, we would row hours of power, you know, without stopping when I was rowing. So it wasn't like we did that. It wasn't slightly different. The cadence, the the stroke ratings are a little lower when you row 2000 meters, but they keep bumping them up. They're getting closer to what we rode. Wow. Because <laughs> they, they train year round now and they're professional athletes virtually. They don't make millions of dollars, but they're, they don't, they don't have, they don't have full-time jobs or distractions and they're at the national training center. Most of them all the time. So a little less freedom of thought, freedom of purpose. <laughs> well, if you could, you know, as someone who's, who's got such inside knowledge of what goes on with, with rowing at large, you know, and someone who was there really at the start for women, um, talk about, you know, where the sport has come and, and you talk about the training facilities, but talk about scientifically and physically. Oh, there's so much more, you know, there's, you know, they have little computers that tell you how fast you're going every stroke so you know if you've missed missed something you know like like they kids for me kids spend too much time looking at their little thing to giving them all this data and then they have the ergs that there that we have in the gym those didn't exist when i was in college they were invented in 1982 was the first time they when they first showed up and so then there was a standard that you could compare athletes around the country because there was the same machine everywhere before that it was you had to show up at one place and row on one machine because every machine was different. And so there was more, it's easier to judge how strong someone is. It doesn't show, tell you how well they row. So that's kind of, a, I think how well you row is important. Um, but the things that have changed are, so there's a training center, but also, you know, the Western European women didn't row when I was rowing. It was us and the East Germans and the Russians and the Romanians and there was no bro, women didn't get to row in Australia because they didn't want to pay for women to go anywhere, even though there were women rowers. Uh, so, you know, there's so many more countries that are competing now in women's sports, which is pretty cool. They still don't have Title IX in these other countries. So they're still fighting for equality and various things. So that's what's really changed is that there's more competitions. I remember when we, when we, at the, at the, when we were getting our gold medals, the head of the international rowing came up to us and said, don't retire because oh, the Canadians rowed. But he said, you know, you're the only ones who can beat the Eastern Europeans. We don't want them to not win all the time. Because East Germany, oh, and West, West Germany was wrong, but East Germans were way better. So, so Kathy, you know, I, I guess this is, this is maybe a, a two-part question, but um, just in general, the, the way you approached races and um, and, and I guess I, I let, let's start with, with your, your post Wesleyan career in terms of, you know, we're, you know, obviously if you're, if you're in, in a world championship race, or if you're in an Olympic race, you know, was there, was there different, did you have a different, uh, mindset or did you approach every race, no matter where it was or the magnitude of the race, did you approach every race the same? Probably not. I mean, 
because it mattered whether you got the at the end of the season, whether it was the World Championships or the Olympics. That kind of set that made that was the defining on how your year's training went. You know, like yeah, I won a lot of races nationally that led up to the international competitions, but they were more fun. At some, you know, you, you didn't stress about them the same way as when you got to the World Championships. And I think the trick is to. Uh, then when I was in the four, we did this great yoga session, just breathing before the, before the final championships, just to like center your mind, not on what was happening, but as I, I my daughter's rowing in England now, trying to make the Oxford Cambridge race. And uh, I'm like, don't worry about how hard you're pulling, just focus on making the boat go fast. So it's a different mentality, like just breathe in and just feel the water, you know, like you don't, don't, don't feel your muscles, feel something else outside of it that's the boat. Feel the make the boat is you and the boat is one you know you got to get to that point where it's not it's not effortful it's doing the job does that, that make sense a little yeah, bit yeah no definitely does yep. yeah and it's like you know you know the other sports you know they talk talk about other things where just be the ball you know don't worry you know like those kind of <laughs> when i played basketball i was a very good shooter and they were saying you just shoot i'm like i know but the ball just wants to go in the hoop i'm just putting it up there for the hoop to catch it <laughs> so kathy we ask all our guests you know as we we appreciate all the time you spent with us as we get starting to wrap this thing up um talk about the the value of the liberal arts education that you received at wesley oh. i wesleyan was perfect for me uh you know, coming from not having, you know, in my era, not having, I mean, I was a, I was an avid athlete, but I just played whatever I could. But being able to be sort of a big fish in a little pond and find myself to, because I kept finding that I was better than I thought I was. And I had that opportunity instead of not making a team or, you know, like I didn't even know how to make a layup when I got to Wesleyan. And all of a sudden everything started, you know, like I got coordinated. I don't know what happened. Uh, but the coaching was just right. And the te- I just loved the courses I took, the intimacy of what the faculty brings. I remember I was talking to a Harvard rower, who, a Radcliffe women's rower, who was a senior. And I was saying something about, I mean, I still see Dick Miller. I saw, went to his birthday party last week. You know, like, uh, they're your friends. Your professors are your friends and you get to know them and they care about you. And she was saying that she had never really had a conversation with the professor, just TAs. I'm like, what? You're a senior. You should have like been hanging out in his office. Like I could, you could hang out in anybody's office and they were happy to see you. And uh, yeah, I was, I just, I just liked the intimacy of the education and uh, the choices you got to make. I mean, I changed my major like four times. I'm, you know, like I didn't know what I was going to major in, but that was okay. And, you know, I got to take an astronomy class and I got to take a Japanese gamelan class and all like I took a film class and, you know, I thought I was going to be a chemistry major, but that didn't work out. You know, like it just, you just got to play with it and just experience and get a broad education so that you're prepared to do whatever, whatever is interesting and you understand other things in the world that you might not have. And, you know, I just, I just, I just really liked it, the intimacy and the just getting to know the people that you were around. I just thought it was, it was just right for me. Like I, right. I would have been pretty unhappy in like Michigan with 20,000 kids and who knows who you know and how do you ever 
branch out to meet somebody. I'm taught, I'm, I have a friend whose daughter's a senior in high school and she's choosing something. And I'm like, you will find your people, but if you're at a smaller school, it's much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kathy, I know you, you have been uh, uh, very supportive of Coach Tynan and, and, and the women's rowing program. And I know he's, he's had you have Zoom meetings with, with the team. And, and This year we did Zoom. Usually yeah, I come in person. person. Yeah, Much more yeah. fun in person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know how much he appreciates you taking the time to, to mentor his student athletes. But, you know, there's, there'll be, uh, um, you know, folks outside the, uh, the, uh, the women's rowing program that hopefully will be listening to this. So if, if you were going to give advice to current Wesleyan students who are maybe just starting their journey at Wesleyan, what, 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 what are some of the things you would advise them to do? Well, you want to be, you want to fi find what you love and pursue it intensely. That, that's what I, you know, I think Michael, my, I have some nieces and nephews that went to us and Michael Roth said that at the president's meeting, when you drop off your kids, he said, here's what Wesleyan's about. Finding what you love, getting better at it and sharing it with the world. Do that. Like find what you love and pursue it. You know, that I pursued, you know, I, you know, part of me when I was looking at colleges, in my heart, I would have loved to go to a state school and be an athletic a coach major, you know, a phys ed major, but I, that was not intellectually challenging. It was much better to go and find something to be intellectually challenging and then say, you know, I really do want to be a coach, but I have that background now. It doesn't preclude anything if you, if you get, use your brain some before you, uh, before you move on. So that's what I like. Just, you know, you know, you think you show up at Wesleyan and you think that you already decided what you're gonna be good at, but you don't be open to trying something else. Maybe that you might be even better at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we like to finish up our, our podcast each and every week, Kathy, with what we call affectionately the Wesleyan gauntlet. And it's a 10 question rapid fire. Not that. Okay. First, first response, response comes to your mind. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you ready for this, uh, Chris? I'm ready. All right. I'm always ready. Yeah. All right. You want me to start it? I'm going to start it off today. Coach. All right. Why don't you start it off today? All right. So Kathy, only gold medalist in the history of Wesleyan university, Kathy Keeler class of 1978. Your first question in the gauntlet begins now. Who is your favorite professor at Wesleyan? Dick Miller. I knew that one was coming. I knew that was, especially since you attended his 93rd birthday. Um, <laughs> I figured it has to be a pretty, pretty, there has to be a pretty close relationship there. He came to right. my wedding, you know, like we've done things over the years. Yeah, that's great. He's, Our he's, spouses both died the same year. That wasn't so good, but what the hell. Oh, he's, he's a good man. He is a good man. Yeah. Uh, who is the most influential person in your life? Huh. My husband. Okay. What was your first job after graduating from Wesleyan? And if you've already answered that, what was your favorite job that you had in the summer while you were at Wesleyan? Didn't have any jobs? When I, no jobs. I didn't. I don't think I had any jobs. Well, I was a nanny one summer. Uh, I went biking one summer. I rode one summer. I don't know. I, uh, my first job was a basketball coach, and then I did other. Co I really, I had one job where I wasn't coaching, and that was clear that I should be coaching. I spent the whole year going, this is dumb. <laughs> I got to go out. <laughs> and this is not it. I spent one year working in like what something that economics would have brought me to. I'm like, this is not it. I'm done. <laughs> there you go. All it right. Was clear. 
like it's good i know i didn't have to think about it anymore i'm done yeah all right if you were forced to cheer for one would it be amherst or williams oh my god <laughs> no no <laughs> can't do it that's a my good daughter, answer my daughter wanted to go look when she started looking at colleges the first place we went to look at was Williams and all my nieces and nephews that went to West Lane sent me notes saying, what the hell are you doing taking her to look at Williams? And I said, it's okay. I'm letting her look and then I'm going to tell her if she wants to go there, she can't. <laughs> all right. Beautiful. You could go uh, back no, to one. one. My goddaughter went to Amherst. Still, neither one. <laughs> That's fantastic. If you could go back to when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? An athlete. Sweet. I wanted to be an Olympic athlete or very early. I didn't, I had no idea what, but I just loved doing, I had no idea it was going to work out, but that was just my goal. <laughs> and, and, and was that primarily from just watching, you know, Olympic track and field? There was hardly TV. We lived in Turkey for four years with no TV. It was just, I just liked to play games. Nice. All right. All <laughs> I right. just, I was an ultimate tomboy. They didn't let me play little league because girls couldn't play. My bro I was way better than my brother. His coach said, "Let her play. She's really good." <laughs> but the league wouldn't let me play. You know, <laughs> it was like. All right. What's the best piece of advice you you received in your life? You got to try. You got to go for it until they tell you you can't. Like Set that. a goal, and go for it. In three words, describe your Wesleyan experience. Love, excitement, and opportunity. Very good. Very good. What 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 do you miss most about Wesleyan? Hmm. I don't I don't think I miss it. I just love going back. You know, I think. I remember when I graduated, I thought, oh, I don't want to leave yet. And then I came back to visit some friends who were still in school that spring. And I'm like, I'm glad I'm done. I'm real, I was for four years is just the right amount of time for me. Okay. But I go back and cheer on who's there. That's a good segue because now I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the best highlight that Wesleyan has been involved with over the last 20 years or so? The best highlight? Yeah, in, in athletics. I don't know. I liked it when Obama came to speak instead of Ted Kennedy at my uh, grandson's, uh, somebody's graduation that That's I went to. That was pretty That's cool. Pretty highlight. It was really cool. I was at that. It was, some re it was a reunion year for me. I can't remember now. But anyway, that was very cool. Uh, I thought it was great when the lacrosse team won the national championship. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. So there they won a national championship. My cousin, who's also in the Hall of Fame with me, we're the only two uh, relatives in the Hall of Fame. There you go. <laughs> he was a volleyball player, but that's pretty exciting, too, for me. That's very exciting. All right. Who, who is the West alum you would most like to have dinner with? Can be hmm. anybody. Can be anybody. Lynn Manuel. Okay. <laughs> oh, that Lynn Manuel Miranda. He checks the so boxes. Cool. We get it. so cool. I'm so proud to be classmate with him, to be on alum with him. <laughs> oh, man. You're not alone. This is, this is probably around our 20th episode or so unofficially, maybe more. And Manuel is leading the chase right now. I think what he can is, you do? What can you do? He is, he, is, he is stroking to the front of the race right now. He is. Uh, well, he, he's, he's got good press right now. 
there are other people who are probably just as interesting, but that was who I came to my head. Good answer. Well, that's it. You passed the gauntlet. That wasn't too bad. Not too bad. Thank you. So like, like, you know, coach has already mentioned, but we can't say enough how much we appreciate the time you've given us tonight and to be able to talk about a sport that doesn't get a lot of pub, you know, I mean, not, not a lot of people know about not, rowing. Not a lot of press. Nope. And, and, and for you to be the only gold medalist in the history of your college and uh, you know, still to this day, it's an awesome honor and it's going to stay that way until someone else. Well, I, I think uh, it, it's nice to get Rowan get some publicity at West End. So at least no one's going to forget that they exist because they're going to see that stupid gold medal up there every time. Oh, they it's go not stupid. I'm not stupid, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a, it's a great accomplishment. And uh, you know, at one level, I owe it all to West End. It wouldn't have happened without, you know, the random, are you a water woman? <laughs> Pat sending, you know, the different little things, injuries, da, 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 coming back from quitting and da, 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 you know, like it all worked out and sending me in the right direction. And it was just, it was just the right amount of pressure and support that you know, I might not have gotten from a different kind of school. So I, I appreciate what Wesson gave me too. Well, Kathy, we can't, again, to, to echo what Chris said, we can't thank you enough for spending time with us tonight. And certainly, um, you know, I know uh, you've been involved with, you know, many of our initiatives uh, from an alumni perspective and, and uh, you know. I'll be back. Yes, you, <laughs> you love coming back and we love having you back, so. Well, really, I'm coming, I'm sneaking into town on Sunday because my niece, who's a Wesleyan alum, lives in town and I'm, it's her birthday, so I'm sneaking in to give her some stuff. Can't go in her house, but, you know, like sneaking into town. Although I'm here, I'm allowed to go to Connecticut. I just, for less than 24 hours, so it's not That's illegal right. that I'm right. coming back. And I'm going walking with Nancy Meisman and her puppy dog. <laughs> and, and you're half vaccinated. You're halfway. And you're I'm halfway. half vaccinated. Yeah. Yep. I've got to wait 10 days, I think, till it <laughs> counts, but it'll be seven days. And I'm like, I won't go in any houses. I won't breathe on anybody. I'll go right home. <laughs> and then hopefully right. by, by May, I can come back for real. That, that's Ooh, what are they going to be able to do any rowing races? I hear that they're. We are. We're trying. We're trying. We're try like how where like I live on the Charles. I mean, I can see the Charles right it's right there. And uh, Northeastern and BU are out some. That's it. The rest of the river has been empty since last March, except for Scullers. And so it's kind of, it's all weird. And then they say the IRAs are going to happen. I'm like who's rowing? Like I guess the big schools that have rowing are rowing, but not the Ivies. No, they're not there. <laughs> so it's right. going to be a regatta to start with. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully in the fall, things will look more normal. That's my. That's our plan. That's our that, plan. That, that's on every, on all fronts. We, we all certainly hope that that's the case, but the good thing, Kathy, is even when you're not in Middletown, you're always in Middletown. All you got to do is walk right in the. I'm field. right there. I'm right there. You can't miss me. I yeah. love, I love only them. one with a gold medal draped around her neck. And I'm in, it's just my friends all comment that I'm in front of Bill Belichick. Just so you know. Right. He's, never, he's never won a gold. First, you see me. Then behind me, you can see Bill Belichick. That's right. <laughs> she is the only gold medalist in the history of Wesleyan University, class of 1978. Kathy Keeler, our guest tonight on Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. That's going to do it for us tonight. For the coach, Mike Whalen, for the producer, Mike O'Brien, and for, of course, our guest, Kathy Keeler. I'm Chris Grace. Until next time, so long, everyone.